You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. In this Hands at Work podcast for November 17th, 2013, we're listening to George Snyman as he speaks at Eternity Church in the UK. And I remember I sat at the Dead Sea, and of course, it is Dead Sea because it's dead, right? <laughs> There's no life whatsoever. And the only difference between the Dead Sea and other vibrant lakes and dams and places is it's got an inlet and it hasn't got an outlet. Scientists said that if you can have an outlet in a Dead Sea in a very, very short time span, life will return. As, um, as we shared this morning and, and worshipped, and I love the worship, I just felt, I want to quickly share it before I forget, I felt the Lord gave me a word for somebody, I don't know what it is, but he said, you're counting the cost to be a Christian. The answer is easy. It's going to cost you everything. Like everything. But, here's the thing. It's costing you everything, but if you look at what that everything is, that you're holding your hand, it's two pitch black worthless stones. And the son of the living God said, he'll put diamonds in your hands. But you've got to let the stones go. The diamonds cannot come as long as you cling to that stones. So the cost that you count is actually a, it's actually a big joke because it isn't cost. <laughs> what you hold in your hands is totally and utterly worthless. It's all here. It's that step you've got to take and you've got to let that stones go. And if you let it go, you'll have diamonds in your hands. Just as a very brief introduction, Hands at Work is just a, a family. We're just the expression of the church. We only got one goal, and that's to create a platform for followers of Jesus to, to find a place to live out their passion. And we've chosen to go to villages that are completely off the ladder, where children do not have choices today if they want to be safe, if they want to eat, or if they want to go to school. No choices. And we say we want to go there with beautiful feet. Simple, simple model. And before we want to give everything else, we want to give ourselves because the Holy Spirit is in us. And when we connect, <laughs> it's life. Right? Right? I mean, guys, it's an insult to God. If you go to any meeting, even at work, and you meet with people and you don't expect, something incredible to happen. I mean, it's an insult. The living God is living in you and me. And we're just an expression. We just say, let's, let's just do it. Let's go to those places. And we love to partner with the church. We only partner with the church. There was a time in my life, friends, where I held the baby in my hand who died of hunger. And I was so angry with the church, <laughs> that I would never put my foot in the church again unless I could throw a few stones through the windows. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the one I loved so much, the one who I'm so deeply in love with, the living God, my father, my dad, the one who adopted me, he said to me, George, you've got to know She's my fiance. You want me, you've got to have her. 
She's my baby. I love her. I'm not stupid. I can see what's wrong. I know that she's cheating on me. Can you imagine that pain? Listen to this. I know my fiancé is cheating on me. She plays with the world. I've given her diamonds and she's holding onto the stones. But I believe, I believe there's going to be enough people that's going to speak enough about it and create enough place where, where they're going to live it out and they're going to see the truth. And brothers and sisters, that's why there's missions and justice. If we think, oh, shame, maybe we can help them. Oh, look at that. You know, each one of them have buried both their moms and dads. Gone under the ground. There's no social system there. There's no social worker. You know, when we go there, we think, oh, shame, maybe we can help them. <laughs> Their dad don't need you or me. <laughs> Their dad is big and rich. But he's using us because he wants to use them to draw us closer to him. He wants to show us his heart. He says, I'll show you my heart. But, but you know how I'm going to show it to you? I'm, I'm going to take you there. I'm going to take you. I remember, I remember when I sat in a shack, I was just... Raw out of a church. I was so in love with Jesus, I'll do anything. And I was on a rubbish dump handing out soup. And I ended up in a shack with, with Josephine, 22, and, and her two daughters. They didn't even have a cement floor. It was wet sand. And I sat with them there, and it was freezing cold. Little, little paraffin fire. One blanket among the three of them. She's busy dying of hunger. They haven't eaten for days. And I sit there. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, he fell over me like a wet blanket. I was from my head to my toes. I could smell him. I could taste him. I could feel him. His heart was going like that in my eardrums. I look at them. I look. I said, I can see you. I can see you. You're hidden among those people. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's because we've got so many makeup layers that people can't see Jesus in us anymore. But what I do know after 17 years is that they, you, you need them. You need them. They'll bring life. They'll bring understanding. They'll show you the Father. When we sing that worship songs, Liberty, I've been set free. Set free from what? For what? Have ever, anyone of you thought about it this morning? I hope we think what to sing, right? <laughs> set free from what? And for what? Set free from the world, friends. Set free from the things that is drawing us away from our dad. And so part of what we do is we, we draw volunteers to come and work with us. And we're so proud of David joining us and working with us. And I watched that young man in the last year exploding in front of us. I just watched him taking on so much responsibility. I've seen him crying. I've seen him walking. I'm seeing building. The guy's just 
all over it. And when he spoke to me, like he said, he shared with me just before I came to the UK that he wanted to stay a bit longer. And he gave his reasons. I thought, wow, such a mature man. Gone so far to do that. I'm also happy to have George and Sheila and, and Nick Yeo from Hans UK. If you want to, you can talk to them afterwards. They, they've been going there for many years. But this morning, I want to, if I can title something, I want to call it this. How do we raise a generation that know and love our Father and His people? How do we raise a generation that know and love our Father and His people? Micah 6 verse 8 says this to us. <laughs> he has told you, O man, what is good. And that is that the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, I wish I can, <laughs> I wish I can stick to my notes. <laughs> I bluff myself, but anyway. You know, you know we, we, we've got to rediscover Jesus. We've got to, we've got to catch him again. We've got to chase him and hunt him down and catch him. We've got to walk with that hip and say, I've met him. He's touched me. You know, Jesus, let me introduce him to you like this. He's the one who held the stars in his hand. And he went like this. And he knew each one by name. And he thought of you. And he said, Do you believe that? He spoke and it happened. Now he was part of a community, a brilliant community. Perfectly happy, totally happy. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They needed nothing. They were 100% happy. And they saw pain and brokenness. And they were compelled to love because they are love. Love compels you. You want to know if you love? You are compelled when you love. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, we can't continue to just be happy in ourselves. There's pain outside. And they ripped that community open. And the one who flung the stars in the heavens went into a womb of a teenage single mum. And he had to go through her birth channel to be born. He was born in a feeding trough. He had to drink from his mum not to die of hunger. The same one had to drink from a, a woman not to die of hunger. He had to learn how to tie his shoes. He was a refugee in Africa. He was hunted. He was part of a genocide. He was misunderstood, misquoted, hated right from the beginning. 
everything that he ever did that was good was trodden upon. His justice was, or his trial was a total miscarriage of justice. <laughs> you want to know why he loved them? <laughs> they reminded him of his own life on this earth. But he chose that. He chose when the weak, strong becomes weak. Upside down kingdom. God said, there's nothing that will draw you closer to me. It will make me more happy. When you become like my son. When you are happy. When you have. When you can make a choice. And you say, I see outside. And I choose to do something. That's justice. To cross the road. Psalm 89. You know David. A man of the God's own heart. Whew, that's big words right? Of his own heart. Describe God like this. In Psalm 89. He said. God's throne is built on righteousness and justice. In Psalm 68 verse 5. He said. I'll tell you about my father. This is who he is. He's the father of the fatherless and a husband of the widow. He's God and his holy habitation. He is this mighty God who knows the orphans by name and who defends the widows. That's your God. That's your and he speaks to us in every book of the Bible. It's, a, it's unbelievable how he speaks to us. Through the, before the law, through the law, through the prophets, through the Psalms, through, through John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, the axe is at the root. People said, what must we do? He said, if you've got two tunics, give one away. <laughs> how many tunics have you got, ladies? If you've got two, give one away. If you've got food, do the same. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He loved you and he gave. Listen, he loved you and he, he gave. He gave. He went all the way. People say, Jesus died such a terrible death on a cross. It's not really like that, you know. The physical death wasn't. I mean, John... Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. John was boiled in oil. Isaiah was sawn in two. It's not the physical death that was the issue here. The issue was, the issue was, he, he, took, he took your sin. He took our perf perversive sin. He took our, our pain and badness and sickness. He was sinless. He took it and he said, give it. Give it. Lay it on me. And a God of justice, the God who's just, who say somebody had to be punished here. He said, I'll give you my son. I've got to punish somebody. It's got somebody must pay here. But I love you. I love you. So, so, so I'll slaughter my son like a criminal. I'll flung him against the tree. The very ones for who I bring freedom, 
was better than police held. And you and I know if we were there, we would have done it. Ooh, that's your God. That's your Jesus. And the early church was exactly the same. You read about the early, early church. You know what they say? The early church was very stingy with using their bodies sexually and very promiscuous in giving money away. That is the general, that is that's your DNA, that's your family. The first emperor that wrote about them said this terrible, bad Galileans that we hunt like animals. The Christians were hiding in cracks in walls that could only come out at night. The first emperor that wrote about them, he said, this terrible people, they drink blood. What I hate about them, they don't just care about their own poor. At night they come out. And they care about our poor. They bath them. They look after them. He wrote them and he said, they embrace them into the agape. <laughs> That's your family. There's never been a revival in the United Kingdom. Spurgeon, all these, Jonathan Edwards, all these guys, you, you, you hear how they preach. Friends, every one of them were hallmarked with a deep, Passion for justice. They wouldn't let an orphan walk by them. They spent everything. Wesley didn't have even money. He had enough money to be put in a coffin, to be put in the ground. And he made, he made huge money with his music. He gave every cent away. When he died, there was enough to bury him. It was, you know what is a hallmark among this? You know why they do that? It's because they know it's black stones. Because you know, a hallmark of a man or a woman of God, yes, a hallmark, they long for a city that is to come. <laughs> I mean, this is rubbish. It's pathetic. It's going to burn away. It's going to fall apart. It's going to let you down. Even this body... It's just an earthly tent. It's nothing. We are citizens of the new Jerusalem. <laughs> Our time is coming. You know that you're going to be in a wedding feast where this very one who was nailed to a tree is going to serve you. Oh, man, talk about humble. I think of that and I just, I just cry. How's it possible? It's going to serve us. It's going to say, come. But now, now in this world, we've got a few moments to make Jesus do what he did for Stephen. You know, Stephen, it was martyred. We read in Acts that Jesus stood on the right-hand side of the Father. We can make Jesus jump to his feet. Now that's worship. By making choices and by being like him. So John 3.16 say, God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John 3.16 say, now that you know what love is, you've got to lay your life down for your brothers and sisters. 
whatever you do for the least of them, you do for me. I went to Goma, a city in eastern Congo, ravaged by rebels. And, and I went to a village there, a specific village. You know, the child, when I go into a village of thirsting, I look for his children. And I remember there was one girl, and she saw me. I felt terrible. She got such a fright because there's so many foreign people that would come into that village and harm them. She, she jumped off an ant heap into a bush. And I could see how it scratched her body. And she was totally terrified. She ran when she saw me. And I sat that day with all the women in that village as they shared their stories with me. And Eric, who's our leader in the Congo, he said, come, I want to go and show you something. And we started walking through the village. And we were busy. I was busy talking to somebody. And Eric called me to, to this place where this old woman, Gogo Helena. See, her house is a, it's a, it's about this high. And it's just half dome. And it's about from here to there. It's just plastic dome. Inside, grass mat. That's it. All her children were killed in the Congo. And the very, the very day I entered that village, corrupt officials chased her off a piece of land where she had potatoes planted. And she sat in front of that place when I got there. And there she sat with the potatoes lying in front of her. And she said, I'm finished. Enough. You know, we are prisoners of hope. We're supposed to be. Some, some of us in the church are as hopeless as the world. We forgot that we can bring hope because we are so busy worrying about ourselves. We, we disarm ourselves. I stood there. Friends, how do you think I felt? I had no clue. I was so out of my depth. I didn't know what I was doing there. And there I stood and I watched this woman. And there she, she sat. And everybody's looking at her. And they're looking at me. I said to Eric, Eric, find us two hoes. Somebody gave us two hoes in the heat of the African sun. We started tilting ground right next to her shack. After, <coughs> after five minutes, I wished I never did it. <laughs> These soft little white hands going in the heat of Africa. And I, I think I got softer and softer. <laughs> I felt like eternity. Me and Eric tilting. I just gave him a dirty look every time he wants to stop. And then something amazing happened. A woman joined us. And then after five minutes, two guys joined us. After half an hour, there must have been ten of us using this hose, just tilting the ground, tilting the ground. And the people started coming from everywhere in the village. They just started surrounding us. And I took those potatoes and I started planting them again. And we planted those potatoes back. And when we were finished, we stood up and that whole village stood there. You know, the chief of that village came with his wife and they knelt down and said, please pray for me. 
And suddenly the village took hands and they said to me, say something to us. Well, I've got a photo of that very girl that ran on my shoulders. She sat on my shoulders and her hands was in my hair and that granny was around my arm. And I spoke to them about hope and the kingdom of God exploded in a hellhole on this planet. Not a rich guy, not a brave guy, not a clever guy. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. You know, afterwards, we were about to leave. That granny came to me with dirty water, and she held it there, and she had a little piece of soap like this, and, and she gave me to wash my hands, and I washed my hands, and I walked away, and Eric said to me, you should heard what happened just now. She spoke to the people, and she said to them, today, today God came to visit me. She took her most precious belonging, which was that piece of soap, she will use it on a Sunday morning before she goes to church. And she said, I've got to use it because today God came to show me he loves me. What have you done last week? You see, what we do here with the music, that's not worship. That's praises. Worship is your life. Worship is how you handle Monday morning. Worship is what you do with the stuff in your wallet. Worship is what you do when you see the guy on the other side of the road. I love casting crowns. Beautiful music, right? They say, lifting holy hands up high. What a cheap sacrifice, if that's all you do. I want to suggest what you do in a week is what has got your fingerprints on. And when you come here and you lift your hands, be careful. Be careful what you lift it for. Because you say, God, what I did this week, unto you. That's worship. Not empty hands. Holy hands. Where holy feet went and crossed the road and brought life and love. God has called us to be the hope in this world. That Greek word in the Great Commission is Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's simultaneously. You and I are the salt and the light. We're the answer. God has called us. We've got to have beautiful feet. To reach out and to tell them we care. We know them by name because you and I are known by name. We are known by name. Somebody came for us. You are too precious to hold onto the stones any longer. You've got to let go. You've got to let go. You've got to cast your life. You've got to be ruthless of your life. Let me just close with this. Jesus is a prince of peace. It's actually the prince of shalom. He's painted this beautiful picture of us. Different threads coming together. 
But you know, every now and then, some of the threats are becoming thin all over the picture. And then Jesus say, which threats can I send to go and graft themselves in there? Are you available? Are you available to restore the picture of our Father? Huh? Our Father. He didn't just save you. He did something even bigger than that. He adopted you. He said, I set you free, but you're not going to go back in the world like a street child. You're now my son and my daughter. Come into my house. You are my house now. And now as sons and daughters, we do what our dad is doing and our older brother. We reach out. We go. We spend. We spend. Because it's worthless stuff. May the peace cut deep in your spirit this morning. May expose the stones so that you can have the diamonds. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org